Welcome to the Expectations for the Rest of 2023 call. Our host for today's call is Bruce Keel. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session. I would now like to turn the call over to your host. Mr. Keel, you may begin. Very good. Thanks so much, Jen, for getting us started on our call today and just want to welcome you for our client conference call here this quarter. Just thank you for joining us on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, my name is Bruce Keel, and just a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Ordinarily, we also have our senior advisor, Nate, uh, joining us, but it's MEA week, so it's um, a couple of days he's taking off to be with his family. So it's a pleasure to be with you today, and trust we have some information that's helpful for you today. If you haven't been on a call like this before with us, just to kind of give you a quick idea of the uh, format is we'll share some information for the first 20-25 minutes and then Jen, our operator, will open it up for any questions and she'll share how to do that. It's pretty easy to do. And then um, we'll close it up typically like to be done within a half hour. So that is the format and we're also recording this today and so you will see an email tomorrow that will have a recording to this so if you know of anybody you think might benefit from this information uh, please share it email it to them and happy to answer any questions for people who have some um, you know questions about their own financial situation so we appreciate that very much and then yes we want to share some exciting news for you because next month we are moving um, all the way downstairs so currently we're up on the fifth floor in our building Crescent Ridge uh, suite 510 in Hopefully, by the end of next month, we will be moving down to the second floor, actually into Suite 210. And so today, as I look out, it's a beautiful view of the sun shining on these gorgeous fall colors. And I'm kind of soaking it in because as we move downstairs, we'll be moving on the other side of the building in for those of you who've been here, yes, that's the freeway side. So the view isn't going to be quite as spectacular, but I guess we can give you a traffic report on Highway 394, um, but I'll miss our, our beautiful view. But we are very excited because the reason we're moving is we need more space because my CPA that we have worked with and I've personally worked with for over 15 years, Paul Strott, he too decided to affiliate with Avier. And so we are going to be combining offices downstairs on that second floor. And we have had good experience with Avier to combine wealth and tax under one roof for the benefit of both of our clients. So we'll be sharing more of that with you. And then at the same time, we're also going to be rebranding and taking on the Avier name. Uh, so we're excited with that too. So we'll have a new space, we'll have a new name, but same great people, right? Uh, so we'll be sharing more information about that with you. And when we get settled in, Yes, we're going to have an open house and would love to have you stop by for those of you who are in town to have a look at our new space. So we'll keep you posted on that. Phone number will stay the same. Um, you know, our email will have redirected to Avier, through Avier Wealth, but still um, we'll have that life stage pointed for a while too. So very 
easy to get a hold of, and we'll keep in touch with that. So really, as we look at the landscape, certainly I think we can all agree that there is a lot going on here at home and around the world, right? I guess there's a natural tendency also for investors to have a focus on the negative. And it actually even has a name to it. It's called negativity bias. And certainly as you watch the news channels today, uh, that is fueling that negative response and perspective. So to really combat this, uh, we want to maintain a perspective that is crucial to properly weigh really that long-term perspective, long-term gains against some of those short-term risks that are always out there. I've been in practice for 35 years, and there's always something brewing out there. And uh, we want to take a look at that long-term perspective. So we'll share some of those things today. And certainly challenges exist for investors, and we don't know what's going to rise up uh, tomorrow. But bottom line, markets do have a tendency to rise over a period of time. It's just some ups and downs along the way. So we need to see past those ups and downs to make some good decisions for really our clients' long-term retirement security. So what we thought we would do today is to share five key insights with you to help our clients see past uh, some of those negativity issues that are in the marketplace and really how 2023 will finish and as we get into 2024. We don't know for certain, obviously, right? Um, that is one thing we constantly wish we had that crystal ball, but in the absence of that, we certainly look at the environment and have uh, five of these different observations that we want to share with you that we think are very important as we finish up 2023 and enter into 2024. And the first observation is that stocks held on to strong gains um, from the beginning of the year, as well as bond portfolios have done quite well. And I guess you would see this by reviewing your statement that here just uh, came out last week. If you get yours electronically, probably got it on Tuesday. Um, hard copies, depending on the mail, maybe towards the end of the week. And incidentally, if you do want to move over from having paper copies to electronic, just contact our office and we can get you set that up very quickly, quicker information as well as save a few trees. But we still have a lot of clients who like the paper copy. And bottom line, we just want to uh, provide that information in any way that works out best for you. So let us know if that's something you're interested in the electronic copy. But either way, uh, still we saw some very good results still holding for the year. And it's interesting because it's about one year ago here this month that we saw the bottom of where the markets were after a very tough 2022 markets dropped to the bottom uh, 25%. And since then, we've seen some nice recovery, but we're still about 10% below where the markets peaked out at in December of 2021. But as we look at some of our positions uh, inside of our client portfolios, we're still very encouraged to see how Berkshire Hathaway I think your favorite investment and ours too, or for many of us anyway, 
you know, it's now up 21% over the last 12 months. Our growth index, which really um, consists of a lot of the technology stocks, that got hammered pretty good through the downturn, but now it has actually been uh, one of our best performers, up 18.5% over the last 12 months. And several of the other S&P indexes in that 16 uh, 17% area and then some other areas that kind of have lagged behind as small and mid-sized companies. We don't have very large positions there for most clients, just a couple of percent. Those areas have lagged behind 5 or 6%, but interesting enough, international has been on a rebound and is actually up about 15% for this last year. So we haven't seen international with those types of returns for a long time, so it's encouraging to see some of that. But then, of course, last year, what was very difficult was our safe area, the fixed income, the bonds, with interest rates going up 11 times, that was challenging. It was actually down about 3% for the year, where this year, as interest rates have more stabilized, we'll talk about that a little bit more, uh, it's actually year-to-date. Collectively, our fixed positions are up right around 3%, and as we look at over the last 12 months, are up close to 5%. So our safe area is not only more safe, than it was a year ago, but also because of higher interest rates, the dividend yields are higher. Uh, so that's good to see. And then one of the most drastic changes we've seen from a year ago is what the money markets are paying. Of course, a year ago, they weren't paying very much, but now Schwab has a money market we've been using quite a bit that is now paying 5.25%. And so we've had quite a few clients look at, wow, the bank's hardly paying anything. I actually had somebody in yesterday. Um, they spend less than they make, so that's a good thing. But they had over 50000 in the bank, hardly paying anything. And we determined on that same 50000 inside of a Schwab money market that it would be paying them about $2,500 more per year. And we decided that, yes, that $200 a month or more would actually certainly suit them much better, much better in their pocket than in the bank's pocket. So, yes, just transferring some of that money over. So, yes, even though for the third quarter the markets were down 3.3%, still we've seen for the last you know, year, year to date, those first two quarters were very good and we're still seeing uh, those gains hold up very nicely. And so that's the first observation. Second observation, interest rates have risen to 16-year highs. And of course, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because fixed income yields, like we talked about, are much higher today on bonds, on money markets. For instance, a one-year treasury is now paying about 5.5% where corporate, some high-yield bonds, a little lesser quality ones, pay 6 to 7% in this environment. And as I mentioned, yes, that money market is amazing. Um, you know, it's paying 5.2%. But, of course, the flip side of that is what interest rates are higher, certainly debt on credit cards or any personal loans. And just, you know, saw today that mortgage rates are at a 20-year high have crept up to 7.6%. So certainly a big difference from where they were a year, two years ago, and that has had a big impact on existing home sales. Uh, now we're seeing they are down about 15% 
from one year ago because of those higher interest rates. And I know we've seen that in our family because our oldest daughter and her husband have a house for sale in Vancouver, Washington. They moved to Redding, California, and they put their house on the market in mid-August. And of course, at that time, what they have been seeing in their neighborhood the last few years is you put a house on the market, you get multiple bids, and oftentimes over asking price, and it's sold in a few days. And they realize, well, that environment has changed a little bit, but now we're going on about 60 days, no offers, house still for sale, now paying uh, rent and uh, mortgage payment. So certainly praying for that to sell. But at, uh, in this environment, it certainly is making an impact on those higher interest rates. Then the third observation is that the economy has been much stronger than expected. A year ago, nobody would believe where we're at today when we look at that our economy here for the third quarter, when all is said and done, it's expected to grow about 4.9%. I mean, even a year ago, there was a lot of talk of a recession and that we'd be looking at a recession and we're far from that right now. Things have been growing very well. And then we looked at where inflation was at. In June of last year, it peaked out 9.1%. And today we're looking at 3.7%. So it has gotten much better, still not down to where the Fed would like it in that two, two and a half range. Actually, the Fed Chairman Powell uh, was speaking at an engagement in New York today, and he said, yes, rates are still too high. And what that kind of means, and a lot of economists are saying just his comments, they take it to, to mean that, yes, they're going to be holding on to these higher rates for a longer time. Probably not that they're going to raise rates here the end of the month when they meet, but depending on how things go, very possible that they might do it in December, for instance. Um, so a lot of speculation um, on what the Fed might do, but we've seen a major impact on inflation coming down. And thankfully, we've still seen the economy growing pretty well. And part of that is due to uh, the U.S. labor market, still one of the strongest in history. Unemployment is very low at 3.8%. And wage growth, because of some of the shortage of workers, wage growth currently is at 4.5%. So with most people working, not a lot of unemployed. Matter of fact, there's actually more job listings than there is available unemployed people. So because it's a strong labor market, and yes, wages have been going up, we've seen that over, whether it's fast food or you talk about uh, corporate America, definitely we're seeing wages on the increase. 4.5% this past year in the American way typically is if they are working, making good money, they have a tendency to spend it. Certainly we all do. And that is what really keeps the economy going. So uh, that's been very positive as well as just as we see the corporate earnings coming in, they also continue to come in quite strong uh, for this quarter. So that's very positive. The environment for many companies has been showing some very good growth. So with that improving inflation, stronger than expected economic growth, low unemployment, it really 
as far as we see it today, seems to be accomplishing this potential for a soft landing. Many of you have maybe heard that term, what it means. It's the ability for the Fed to reduce inflation, like we've said, 9.1 down to 3.7, still want to go lower, but without raising them too high, too fast, that would push us into a recession. And so that is something they're trying to avoid. So it's not too fast, not too slow, trying to find the just right. At this point in time, it seems to be going pretty well. We'll continue to monitor uh, to see how that works because, yes, they had a very rapid increase over the last year and a half, 11 times they've raised interest rate. And even with the comments that Powell made today, seems like they're in a period of more slower uh, interest rate increase and really a pause that we really feel they are very close to the peak of where interest rates are at. And actually, many economists are even feeling that by this time next year, we'll even be in a period of interest rate reduction and lowering of interest rates. So, Remains to be seen, but that's the environment that we see right now. And then number four observation is so far uh, the market's reaction to what's happening in the Middle East with Israel and the Hamas war, it has been muted. And certainly these type of geopolitical risks are very unavoidable. They're um, also quite alarming because we see a lot of the images of violence loss of life, and they're very difficult events to analyze, and what the outcome is, is very challenging to predict. And oftentimes, we do see a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction when markets drop as people react to the images and the news, and we all wonder, what is going to happen? What's the impact? Well, so far in this case, there really has not been a significant one at all from a market perspective. And most economists are not expecting a significant adjustment to our economy here at home because of this particular conflict. And, you know, some of the areas that potentially might be affected are energy and oil because of the area. But it's interesting just with the Ukrainian conflict and Russia, there was the thought that Um, Europe would be significantly impacted on the energy control that Russia has uh, there. And it really hasn't come to pass that uh, it hasn't really happened. So oftentimes these things are so hard to predict. But usually what we've seen is over the long term, it's the economic factors that really dictate what the markets do. And a lot of times these, um, you know, events that happen and are in the news, Uh, are very troubling in the short term and affect markets in the short term, but in the long term, it really makes an impact on how's the economy doing. And as we're talking about, we've seen some uh, bright spots there. So then the fifth one that I want to share uh, as we um, go on to the next thing is that investors are fully in control of how and when they save as well as how they spend. And so this is really more of a behavior aspect because while investment conversations tend to focus on how's the market doing, you know, what's going on in the market. I have a friend at church when every time I see him, he asks, you know, how's the stock market doing? And um, really the truth is investor behavior and activity 
play a far greater role in really what are investment outcomes. And, you know, we've shared this a time or two that Fidelity and Vanguard have done some studies on how the S&P over the last 30 years, matter of fact, even over the last 50 years, it's averaged about the same. The S&P has averaged about 10%. And what's amazing is that that's what the S&P has done over 30 years and over 50 years. But what's interesting, Fidelity and Vanguard, who have a lot of kind of do-it-yourself investors, if you will, and they've tracked those accounts and they have found is that their average return is about half of what the market has doing. The bottom line is they let emotion carry their decisions. And so you know what they're doing is they're buying on the high side when things are doing well and look at, boy, like today, Berkshire's up 21%, time to buy, or uh, you know some of these other areas up 17, 18%, time to buy. And oftentimes it it can be at a a higher point or the flip side, especially that we oftentimes help clients work through and navigate through is times like last year when things are down. You know, naturally, you have a tendency to want to uh, sell uh, to preserve principle, uh, but it is the worst thing to do is to let emotions carry over and, and sell. And that's what Fidelity and Vanguard has seen in the behavior of some of those accounts, that it's an emotional decision to buy and sell versus one that looks at uh, the long term. So that's really what you know, we want to look at is not reacting to short-term conditions, but really focusing on that long-term growth. And I just had a kind of a cool thing yesterday uh, that helped remind me of that, have a client that met 33 years ago at a estate planning workshop that we did over in St. Paul. And she passed away about six years ago. He passed away uh, earlier this year. And so yesterday, uh, we were working with the trustee of their uh, estate to liquidate all of the assets that they have accumulated over their lifetimes. They're in their late 80s. And it was really cool because we had a great conversation just kind of reminiscing about this happened to be their nephew who is the trustee and just uh, a great conversation about their um, faithfulness and saving over many years, doing a good job of in retirement the last 20 plus years, uh, being uh, good stewards as well as just living within their means and still Uh, enjoying life to a great extent. And so now as we liquidated these accounts is, yes, about half of the money was going to family members that were certainly going to have a major impact. And then what was cool is about the the other half of their estate was going to six or seven charities and the trustee shared one that he's had a contact with. This couple grew up in northern Wisconsin, a tiny little town, and he taught in this tiny little town uh, for about five years. So they always had a heart and continue to have a heart for this little town. And they've been doing scholarships to the high school um, for, I would say, the last 10, 15 years, something like that. And they would show me some of the letters that they would get from the students that would share how, yeah, it really made a big difference for them. It's a very poor area. A lot of people aren't able to financially afford going to college. So some of these scholarships that they provided 
make a big impact. And so it was fun to read some of those letters and the joy that they would get in just sharing them and making a difference. But it was cool because when the trustee called the school in their their plan giving department and told them how much money they would be receiving, they were just blown away by their generosity and just talked about how hundreds of kids would receive benefit of scholarships for decades to come. And, you know, I was just reflecting after that conversation out. Yeah, over through the 33 years, there's been, you know, some some very good times, but also in the markets, very challenging times, whether it's 2000 or whether it's 2008. Uh, but this couple just um, really persevered through those tough times, like all of our clients do for the most part, and just look at the long term and how well things work for them through retirement and also how they were able to really leave a legacy, not only with their family, but to even these, uh, in their case, kids at this school for decades to come. So anyway, I thought, boy, that really wrapped it all up for me in terms of what's important. And a lot of times I too focus on what's the market doing today. But what's most important is a lot of those long-term goals. So Jen, if we could um, open it up for questions and uh, let us know if anybody has a question we can help them answer today. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad now. You'll be placed into the queue in the order received. Please be prepared to ask your question when prompted. Once again, if you have a question, please press star 1 on your phone now. Great. Thanks, Jen. As we just uh, see if there are any questions today, just wanted to uh, touch base on we're getting more questions, of course, as we enter uh, into 2024 and just finishing up 2023. Of course, the election for the presidential race for 2024 is certainly heating up in the months to come. And certainly, these elections are so important for us as citizens, voters, and taxpayers. But really, a lot of times people are asking, how does it affect my investments? So we've done some research on that and just wanted to share a little bit uh, as we close up today and answer any questions. Is interesting enough, uh, there's a slightly higher market average, and this is actually over 90 years, so quite a few elections in the mix. Uh, there's slightly little higher markets if a Democrat is a president, interesting enough. And then also, there's a slightly higher market average if the Republicans have both House and Senate versus the Democrats. And it's about even if there's a split House and Senate, actually, whether there's a Democrat or Republican president. And so really what Part of what we see is that, yeah, there's going to be a lot of news and a lot of negativity, I'm sure, as it's gotten to be. But when it comes to an investment perspective, it's really a coin flip from which political parties are in presidential office and who controls the House and Senate. Very, very slight aspects that really are more about where the economy is at than what's going on in Washington. So we'll see more of what that is going to um, mean for this year and into next year, but just wanted to share a little bit of information on that. Jen, any questions that we have today? There are no questions at this time. 
All right. Very good. Well, uh, you know that if you do have any questions, whether it's about this information or certainly people don't want to share their personal financial uh, question about an issue in a conference call, so please shoot us an email or give us a call and we would be happy to help you with that. And again, we just want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the privilege that it is to help you navigate along this uh, financial journey. Please contact us with any questions, as I mentioned, about the content today or especially with any personal things that you would like to discuss about your financial situation. Again, want to thank you for your business, and we look forward to seeing you soon. And in a month, uh, we'll be in our new space and look forward to uh, seeing you there. Thank you so much for your time. And this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for attending.